Section 5 of History of New England, 1630-1649. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of New England, 1630-1649, by John Winthrop. Section 5, 1634. January 21st. News came from Plymouth that Captain Stone, who this last summer went out of the Bay or Lake, and so to Aquamenticus, where he took in Captain Norton, and putting in at the mouth of Connecticut in his way to Virginia, where the Pequins inhabit, was there cut off by them, with all his company being eight. The manner was thus. Three of his men, being gone ashore to kill fowl, were cut off. Then the Satchem, with some of his men, came aboard, and stayed with Captain Stone in his cabin, till Captain Stone, being alone with him, fell on sleep. Then he knocked him on the head, and all the rest of the English being in the cook's room, the Indians took such pieces as they found there ready charged, and bent them at the English, whereupon one took a piece, and by accident gave fire to the powder, which blew up the deck. But most of the Indians, perceiving what they were about, shifted overboard, and after they returned, and killed such as remained, and burned the pinnace. We agreed to write to the governor of Virginia, because Stone was one of that colony, to move him to revenge it, and upon his answer to take further counsel. Hull and the two others, who went to Connecticut November 3rd, came now home, having lost themselves and endured much misery. They informed us that the smallpox was gone as far as any Indian plantation was known to the West, and much people dead of it, by reason whereof they could have no trade. At Narangaset, by the Indians' report, there died 700, but beyond Pascataquac, none to the eastward. 24th. The governor and council met again at Boston, to consider of Mr. Williams' letter, etc., when, with the advice of Mr. Cotton, Mr. Wilson, and weighing his letter, and further considering of the aforesaid offensive passages in his book, which, being written in very obscure and implicative phrases, might well admit of doubtful interpretation, they found the matters not to be so evil as at first they seemed whereupon they agreed that upon his retraction etc or taking an oath of allegiance to the king etc it should be passed over an englishman of sacco travelling into the country to trade was killed by the indians thirtieth john seals who ran from his master to the indians came home again where he was at a place twelve miles off where there were seven indians where four died of the pox while he was there february first mr craddock's house at marblehead was burnt down about midnight before there being then in it mr allerton and many fishermen whom he employed that season who all were preserved by a special providence of god with most of his goods therein by a tailor who sat up that night at work in the house and hearing a noise looked out and saw the house on fire above the oven and the thatch this winter was very mild little wind in most south and southwest but off snows and great one snow the fifteenth of this month was near two feet deep all over such of the indians children as were left were taken by the english most whereof did die of the pox soon after three only remaining whereof one which the governor kept was called no god the indians usual answer being when they were put in mind of god me no no god twenty second the grampus footnote it is doubtful whether grampus means a ship or the fish of that name in footnote came up towards charleston against the tide of ebb this season mr allerton fished with eight boats at marble harbor by this time seventeen fishing ships were come to richmond's isle and the isles of shoals march fourth by order of a court a mercate footnote market in footnote was erected at boston to be kept upon thursday the fifth day of the week being the lecture day samuel cole set up the first house for common entertainment and john cogan merchant the first shop upon offer of some newcomers to give liberally towards the building of a galley for defence of the bay and upon consultation with diverse experienced seamen and others it was thought fitter for our condition to build a vessel forty feet in length and twenty-one in breadth to be minion footnote a small piece of ordnance proof and the upper deck musket proof to have one sail and to carry whole culverin and other small pieces eight in all this was found to be so chargeable and so long time ere it could be finished that it was given over at this court all swamps above one hundred acres were made common etc also robert cole having been oft punished for drunkenness was now ordered to wear a red d about his neck for a year seventh at the lecture at boston a question was propounded about veils mr cott concluded that where by the custom of the place they were not a sign of the woman's subjection they were not commanded by the apostle Mr. Endicott opposed and did maintain it by the general arguments brought by the Apostle. After some debate, 
The governor, perceiving it to grow to some earnestness, interposed, and so it break off. Among other testimonies of the Lord's gracious presence with his own ordinances, there was a youth of fourteen years of age, being the son of one of the magistrates, so wrought upon by the ministry of the word as, for diverse months, he was held under such affliction of mind as he could not be brought to apprehend any comfort in God, being much humbled and broken up for his sins, though he had been a dutiful child and not given up to the loss of youth, and especially for his blasphemous and wicked thoughts, whereby Satan buffeted him, so as he went mourning and languishing daily, yet attending to the means, and not giving over prayer, and seeking counsel, etc. He came at length to be freed from his temptations, and to find comfort in God's promises, and so, being received into the congregation, upon good proof of his understanding in the things of God, he went on cheerfully in a Christian course, falling daily to labor as a servant, and as a younger brother of his dad, who was no whit short of him in the knowledge of God's will, though his youth kept him from daring to offer himself to the congregation. Footnote. Conjectured by Savage to have been the governor's son, Dean. End footnote. Upon this occasion it is not impertinent, though no credit nor regard be to be had of dreams in those days, to report a dream, which the father of these children had at the same time, viz., that coming into his chamber he found his wife, she was a very gracious woman, in bed, and three or four of their children lying by her, with most sweet and smiling countenances, with crowns upon their heads, and blue ribbons about their leaves. When he awaked, he told his wife his dream, and made this interpretation of it, that God would take of their children to make them fellow heirs with Christ in his kingdom. Satan bestirred himself to hinder the progress of the gospel, as, among other practices, appeared by this. He stirred up a spirit of jealousy between Mr. James, the pastor of Charlton, and many of his people, so as Mr. Noel and some others, who had been dismissed from Boston, began to question their fact of breaking from Boston, and it grew to such a principle of conscience among them, as the advice of the other ministers were taken in it, who, after two meetings, could not agree about their continuance or return. One Mr. Morris ensigned to Captain Underhill, taking some distaste in his office, requested the magistrates that he might be discharged of it, and so was, whereby he gave offense to the congregation of Boston, so as, being questioned and convinced of sin and forsaking his calling, he did acknowledge his fault, and at the request of the people, which was by the magistrates chosen lieutenant to the same company, for he was a very stout man and an experienced soldier. April 1st. Order was taken for ministering an oath to all housekeepers and sojourners, between twenty years of age and not freemen, and for making a survey of the houses and lands of all freemen. Notice being sent out of the general court to be held the fourteenth day of the third month, called May, the freemen deputed two of each town to meet and consider of such matters as they were to take order in at the same general court, who, having met, desired a side with a patent, and conceiving thereby that all their laws should be made at the general court, repaired to the governor to advise with him about it, and about the abrogating of some orders formerly made, as for killing of swine and corn, etc. He told them that, when the patent was granted, the number of freemen was supposed to be, as in like corporations, so few as they might well join in making laws. But now they were grown to so great a body, as it was not possible for them to make or execute laws, but they must choose others for that purpose and that howsoever it would be necessary hereafter to have a select company to intend that work, yet for the present they were not furnished with a sufficient number of men qualified for such a business, neither could the commonwealth bear the loss of time of so many as must intend it. Yet this they might do at present, viz. they might, at the general court, make an order that once in the year a certain number should be appointed, upon summons from the governor, to revise all laws, etc., and to reform what they found amiss therein, but not to make any new laws, but prefer their grievances to the court of assistance, and that no assessment should be laid upon the country without the consent of such a committee, nor any lands disposed of. Footnote. On this beginning of representative government in Massachusetts, it is pertinent to quote Savage. Quote, no country on earth can afford the perfect history of any event more interesting to its own inhabitants than that which is here related. Winthrop seems to have spoken like an absolute sovereign, designing to grant a favor to his subjects by admitting them to a representation at court. Such was the origin of most of the assemblies, in other nations, of delegates of the people, by whom some influence of the majority is imparted to the government. The very humble powers he proposed that the representatives should receive from his constituent, it is hardly necessary to add, were immediately transcended, and the assembly, as it ought, 
was ever afterwards by itself thought competent to the inaction of any regulation for the public welfare, end quote. He quotes from the records, volume 1, page 115, the following action of the representatives. It was further ordered that it shall be lawful for the free men of every plantation to choose two or three of each town before every general court to confer of and prepare such public business as by them shall be thought fit to consider of at the next general court, and that such persons as shall be hereafter so deputed by the freemen of the several plantations to deal in their behalf in the public affairs of the commonwealth shall have the full power and voice of all the said freemen derived to them for the making and establishing of laws granting of lands etc and to deal in all other affairs of the commonwealth wherein the freemen have to do and the matter of election of magistrates and other offices only accepted wherein every freeman is to give his own voice in quote in footnote Third, the governor went on foot to Agawam, and because the people there wanted a minister, spent the Sabbath with them, and exercised by way of prophecy, and returned home the tenth. Twentieth, John Cogeshall, footnote, John Cogeshall, a man much trusted and esteemed, forfeited later the goodwill of Massachusetts by his heterodoxy, and proceeding to Rhode Island, took a leading part in its affairs, in footnote. A gentleman, being dismissed from the church of Roxbury to Boston, though he were well known and approved of the church, yet was not received but by confession of his faith, etc. May 3rd. News came of the death of Hawkin and the Plymouth Man at Kennebec. Footnote. See account of the episode in Bradford, pages 304 to 306 in footnote, and of the arrival of the ship at Pimmickwood, which brought 30 passengers for this place. The occasion of the death of these men at Kennebec was this. The Plymouth men had a grant from the Grand Patentees of New England, of Kennebec, with liberty of sole trade, etc. They said Hawkin came in a pinnace, belonging to the Lord Say and Lord Brooke at Pascataquack, to trade at Kennebec. Two of the magistrates of Plymouth being there forbade him. Yet he went up the river, and because he would not come down again, they sent three men in a canoe to cut his cables. Having cut one, Hawkin presented a piece, and swore he would kill him that went to cut the other. They bade him to do if he durst, and went on to cut it. Thereupon he killed one of them, and instantly one of the Plymouth pinnace, which rode by them, and wherein five or six men stood with their pieces ready charged, shot and killed Hawkin. Fifteenth. At the general court at Boston, upon the complaint of a kinsman of the said Hawkin, John Alden, one of the said magistrates of Plymouth, who was present when Hawkin was slain, being then at Boston, was called and bound with sureties not to depart out of our jurisdiction without leave and withal we wrote to plymouth to certify them what we had done and to know whether they would do justice in the cause as belonging to their jurisdiction and to have a speedy answer etc this we did that notice might be taken that we did disavow the said action which was much condemned of all men and which was feared would give occasion to the king to send a general governor over and besides had brought us all in the gospel under a common reproach of cutting one another's throats for beaver by this time the fort at Boston was in defense, and diverse pieces of ordnance mounted in it. Those of Newtown complained of straightness for want of land, especially meadow, and desired leave of the court to look out either for enlargement or removal which was granted, whereupon they sent men to see Agawam and Merrimack, and gave out that they would remove, etc. Fourteenth. At the general court Mr. Cotton preached and delivered this doctrine, that a magistrate ought not to be turned into the condition of a private man without just cause and to be publicly convict, no more than the magistrates may not turn a private man out of his freehold, etc., without like public trial, etc. This falling in question in the court, and the opinion of the rest of the ministers being asked, it was referred to further consideration. The court chose a new governor, viz. Thomas Dudley, Esquire, the former deputy, and Mr. Ludlow was chosen deputy, and John Haynes, Esquire, an assistant, and all the rest of the assistants chosen again. At this court it is ordered that four general courts should be kept every year, and that the whole body of the freemen should be present only at the court of election of magistrates, etc., and that, at the other three, every town should send their deputies who should assist in making laws, disposing lands, etc. Footnote. The changes here mentioned were for the little colony quite revolutionary. The election of Dudley to the chief place, and the coming into power of the popular deputies, were acquiesced in by Winthrop, whose ideas were not democratic, with much moderation of spirit. He writes at a later time, quote, The best part of a community is always the least, and of that best part the wiser is always the lesser. In footnote, Savage's Winthrop, volume 2, page 428. Cotton, too, condemned democracy. In 1636, he wrote, Lord Say, quote, 
democracy i do not conceive that ever god did ordain as a fit government either for church or commonwealth if the people be governor who shall be governed as for monarchy and aristocracy they are both of them clearly approved and directed in scripture yet so as referreth the sovereignty to himself and setteth up theocracy in both as the best form of government in the commonwealth is in the church End quote. hutchinson history of massachusetts volume one page 497 appendix three in footnote many good orders were made this court it held three days and all things were carried very peaceably notwithstanding that some of the assistants were questioned by the freemen for some errors in their government and some fines imposed but remitted again before the court break up the court was kept in the meeting-house at boston and the new governor and the assistants were together entertained at the house of the old governor as before the week the court was there came in six ships with store of passengers and cattle mr parker a minister in a company with him being about one hundred went to sit down at Agawam and verse others of the newcomers one blank a godly minister upon conscience of his oath and care of the commonwealth discovered to the magistrates some seditious speeches of his own son delivered in private to himself but the court thought not fit to call the party in question then being loath to have the father come in as a public accuser of his own son but rather desired to find other matter or other witness against him twenty fourth mr fleming master of a ship of barnstable went hence to the eastward to cut masts there and so to return to england there returned with him ensign motham and another these ships by reason of their short passage had store of provisions left which they put off at easy rates viz biscuit at twenty shillings the hundred beef at six pounds the hogshead etc newtown men being straightened for ground sent some to merrimac to find a fit place to transplant themselves june first the thunder which went to bermuda the seventeenth october now returned bringing corn and goats from virginia for the weevils had taken the corn at bermuda before they came there ensign jennison went in her for pilot and related at his return that there was a very great change in bermuda since he dwelt there diverse lewd persons being become good christians they have three ministers one a scotchman who take great pains among them and had lately by prayer and fasting dispossessed one possessed with the devil they obtained his recover while the congregation was assembled he brought news also of a great ship arrived in potomac river in virginia with a governor and colony sent by the lord baltimore who was expected there shortly himself and that they resisted those of virginia who came to trade in that river it appeared after that the king had written to sir john harvey knight governor of virginia to give all assistance to that new plantation which was called maryland by the queen of england and those who came over were many of them papists and had set up mass openly july the hercules of dover returned by st george's to cut mass to carry to england the last month arrived here fourteen great ships and one at salem mr humphrey footnote john humphrey or humphrey who was interested in new england from the beginning and had been long expected now arrived with his wife sister of the lady arbella johnson much was expected from his wealth and influence and he was immediately made assistant lacking resolution and experiencing ill luck he played no great part settling in lynn he lost his home by fire and at length disheartened abandoned the country in footnote and the lady susan his wife one of the earl of lincoln's sisters arrived here he brought more ordnance muskets and powder bought for the public by monies given to that end for godly people in england began now to apprehend a special hand of god in raising this plantation and their hearts were generally stirred to come over among others we received letters from a godly preacher mr levenston a scotchman in the north of ireland whereby he signified that there were many good christians in those parts resolved to come hither if they might receive satisfaction concerning some questions and propositions which they sent over likewise mr humphrey brought certain propositions from some persons of great quality and estate and a special note for piety whereby they discovered their intentions to join with us if they might receive satisfaction therein it appeared further by many private letters that the departure of so many of the best both ministers and christians had bred sad thoughts in those behind of the lord's intentions in this work and an apprehension of some evil days to come upon england then it began now to be apprehended by the archbishops and others of the council as a matter of state so as they sent out warrant to stay the ships and to call in our patent but upon petition of the shipmasters untending how beneficial this plantation was to england in regard of the newfoundland fishing which they took in their way homeward the ships were at that time released 
But Mr. Cradock, who had been governor in England before the government was sent over, had strict charge to deliver in the patent, whereupon he wrote to us to send it home. Upon receipt of his letter, the governor and council consulted about it, and resolved to answer Mr. Cradock's letter, but not to return any answer or excuse to the council at that time. For the success of the passengers and cattle in the ships, diverse of the ships lost many cattle, but the two which came from Ipswich, of more than one hundred and twenty, lost but seven. None of the ships lost any passengers, but the Elizabeth Dorcas, which, having a long passage, and being hurt upon a rock at Skilly, and very ill-victualled, she lost sixty passengers at sea, and diverse came sick on shore, who all recovered, through the mercy of God, except blank. Mr. Humphrey brought sixteen heifers given by a private friend, viz. Mr. Richard Andrews, footnote, of the liberality of this distinguished friend of Massachusetts and Plymouth colonies, further notice will occur in our progress. He was an alderman of the city, and Thomas, probably his brother, became mayor of London. Savage. End footnote. To the plantation, viz. to every of the ministers one, and the rest to the poor, and one half of the increase of the ministers to be reserved for other ministers. Mr. Wilson, so soon as he had his, gave it to Mr. Cotton. By Mr. Humphrey's means, much money was procured, and diverse promised yearly pensions. Six of Newtown went in the blessing, being bound to the Dutch plantation, to discover Connecticut River, intending to remove their town thither. The ninth, Mr. Bradford and Mr. Winslow, two of the magistrates of Plymouth, with Mr. Smith, their pastor, came to Boston by water to confer with some of our magistrates and ministers about their case of Kennebec. They met here about Mr. Winthrop, Mr. Cotton, and Mr. Wilson, and after they had sought the Lord, they fell first upon some passages which they had taken some offense at, but those were soon cleared. Then for the matter itself it fell into these two parts, whether their right of trade there were such, as they might lawfully hinder others from coming there, two, admitting that, whether in point of conscience, they might so far stand upon their right, so as to take away or hazard any man's life in defense of it. For the first, the right appeared to be good, for that, besides the King Grant, they had taken up that place as vacuum domicilium, and so had continued without interruption or claim of any of the natives for diverse years, and also had, by their charge and providence, drawn down thither the greatest part of the trade by carrying Wampu page thither, which none of the English had known the use of before. For the second, they alleged that their servant did kill Hawkin to save one of their men, whom he was ready to have shot. Yet they acknowledged that they did hold themselves under guilt of the breach of the Sixth Commandment, in that they did hazard man's life for such a cause, and did not rather wait to preserve their right by other means, which they rather acknowledged, because they wished it were not done, and hereafter they would be careful to prevent the like. The governor and Mr. Winthrop wrote their letters into England to mediate their peace, and sent them by Mr. Winslow. Sir Ferdinando Gorgias and Captain Mason sent blank to Pascataquac and Aquamenticus with two sawmills to be erected, in each place one. Mr. Cradock wrote to the governor and assistants, and sent a copy of the council's order, whereby we were required to send over our patent. Upon long consultation whether we should return answer or not, we agreed, and we turned answer to Mr. Cradock, excusing that it could not be done but by a general court which was to be holden in September next. Footnote. Cradock's letter was of a character to awaken grave apprehensions. In footnote. Mr. Winthrop, the late governor, received a letter from the Earl of Warwick, wherein he congratulated the prosperity of our plantation, and encouraged our proceedings, and offered his help to further us in it. Twenty-ninth. The governor and council, and diverse of the ministers, and others, met at Castle Island, footnote, still so called in Boston Harbor, in footnote, and there agreed upon erecting two platforms and one small fortification to secure them both, and for the present furtherance of it, they agreed to lay out five pounds a man till a rate might be made at the next general court. The deputy, Roger Ludlow, was chosen overseer of this work. August 2nd. Mr. Samuel Skelton, pastor of Salem, died. 4th. At the court, the new town at Agawam was named Ipswich, in acknowledgment of the great honor and kindness done to our people which took shipping there, etc., and a day of thanksgiving appointed, a fortnight after, for the prosperous arrival of the others, etc. A letter was delivered to Mr. Winthrop by Mr. Jeffrey, an old planter, written to him from Morton, wherein he related how he had obtained his long suit, and that a commission was granted for a general governor to be sent over, with many railing speeches and threats against his plantation, and Mr. Winthrop in particular. 
Mr. Winthrop acquainted the governor and council with it and some of the ministers. This summer was hotter than many before. Twelfth, about midnight, one Crayford, who came this summer, with his brother and servant, having put much goods in a small boat in Charles River, over against Richard Brown, his house, overset the boat with the weight of some hogsheads, as it was supposed, so as they were all three of them drowned. Yet one of them could swim well, and though the neighbors came running forth instantly upon their cry, yet none could be saved. Our neighbors of Plymouth and we had off trade with the Dutch at Hudson's River, called by them New Netherlands. We had from them about forty sheep, and beaver, and brass pieces, and sugar, etc., for sack, strong waters, linen cloth, and other commodities. They have a great trade of beaver, about nine or ten thousand skins in a year. Our neighbors of Plymouth had great trade also this year at Kennebec, so as Mr. Winslow carried with him into England this year about twenty hogsheads of beaver, the greatest part whereof was traded for wampum piege. One pleasant passage happened, which was acted by the Indians. Mr. Winslow, coming in his bark from Connecticut to Narragansett, and he left her there, and intending to return by land, he went to Osamiken, footnote, Osamiken, thus naively mendacious, was Massasoit, it will be remembered, in footnote. The Sagamore, his old ally, who offered to conduct him home to Plymouth. But before they took their journey, Osamiken sent one of his men to Plymouth to tell them that Mr. Winslow was dead and directed him to show how and where he was killed. Whereupon there was much fear and sorrow at Plymouth. The next day, when Osamikin brought him hope, they asked him why he sent such word, etc. He answered that it was their manner to do so, that they might be more welcome when they came home. 19th. Mr. Bradford and Mr. Collier of Plymouth came to Boston, having appointed a meeting here the week before, by reason of foul weather were driven back. They had written Captain Wigan of Pascataquack about the meeting for hearing the cause of Hawkins' death. Corn was this year at four shillings a bushel, and some at three shillings, and some cheaper. Twenty-ninth. The dove, a pinnace of about fifty tons, footnote, the ark and dove, ship and pinnace, had in the preceding spring brought to Maryland its first colonists, in footnote, came from Maryland upon Potomac River with corn to exchange for fish and other commodities. The governor, Leonard Calvert, and two of the commissioners wrote to the governor here to make offer of trade of corn, etc., and the captain of Virginia wrote also on their behalf, and one Captain Young wrote to make offer to deliver cattle here. Near all their company came sick hither, and the merchant died within one week after. September 4th. The general court began at Newtown, and continued a week, and then was adjourned fourteen days. Many things were there agitated and concluded, as fortifying in Castle Island, Dorchester, and Charleston, also against tobacco, and costly apparel, and immodest fashions, and committees appointed for setting out the bounds of towns, with diverse other matters which do appear upon record. But the main business, which spent the most time and caused the adjourning of the court, was about the removal of Newtown. They had, the last general court, to look out some place for enlargement or removal, with promises of having it confirmed to them, if it were not prejudicial to any other plantation, and now they moved that they might have leave to remove to Connecticut. Footnote. This record of the discussion preceding a most important undertaking is of great interest. For an intelligent reading behind the lines as to the settlement of Connecticut, see Johnston, Connecticut, Chapter 3, Hooker may have felt that he and John Cotton could hardly dwell together in the same community in peace. The more democratic spirit also of the outgoing man was plainly evident in what presently followed. In footnote, this matter was debated diverse days, and many reasons alleged pro and con. The principal reasons for their removal were, one, their want of accommodation for their cattle, so as they were not able to maintain their ministers, nor could receive any more of their friends to help them, and here it was alleged by Mr. Hooker as a fundamental error that towns were set so near to each other. Second, the fruitfulness and commodiousness of Connecticut and the danger of having it possessed by others, Dutch or English. Third, the strong bent of their spirits to remove thither. Against these it was said, one, that in point of conscience they ought not to depart from us, being knit to us in one body, and bound by oath to seek the welfare of this commonwealth. Second, that, in point of state and civil policy, we ought not to give them leave to depart. First, being we were now weaker and in danger to be assailed, Second, the departure of Mr. Hooker would not draw only many from us, but would also divert other friends that would come to us. 
Third, we should expose them to evident peril, both from the Dutch, who made claim to the same river, and had already built a fort there, and from the Indians, and also from our own state at home, who would not endure that they should sit down without a patent in any place which our king lays claim unto. Third, they might be accommodated at home by some enlargement which other towns offered. Fourth, they might remove to Merrimack, or any other place within our patent. Fifth, the removing of a candlestick is a great judgment, which is to be avoided. Upon these and other arguments, the court being divided, it was put to vote, and of the deputies, fifteen were for their departure, and ten against it. The governor and two assistants were for it, and the deputy and all the rest of the assistants were against it, except the secretary, who gave no vote, whereupon no record was entered, because there were not six assistants in the vote, as the patent required. Upon this grew a great difference between the governor and assistants and the deputies. They would not yield the assistants a negative voice, and the others, considering how dangerous it might be to the commonwealth, if they should not keep that strength to balance the greater number of deputies, thought it safe to stand upon it. So when they could proceed no further, the whole court agreed to keep a day of humiliation to seek the Lord, which accordingly was done, in all the congregations the eighteenth day of this month, and the twenty-fourth the court met again. Before they began, Mr. Cotton preached, being desired by all the court, upon Mr. Hooker's instant excuse of his unfitness for that occasion. He took his text out of Haggai, chapter 2, verse 4, etc., out of which he laid down the nature or strength, as he termed it, of the magistracy, ministry, and people, viz., the strength of the magistracy to be their authority, of the people their liberty, and of the ministry their purity, and showed how all of these had a negative voice, etc., and that yet the ultimate resolution etc ought to be in the whole body of the people etc with answer to all objections and a declaration of the people's duty and right to maintain their true liberties against any unjust violence etc which grave great satisfaction to the company and it pleased the lord so to assist him and to bless his own ordinance that the affairs of the court went on cheerfully and although all were not satisfied about the negative voice to be left to the magistrates, yet no man moved aught about it, and the congregation of Newtown came and accepted of such enlargement as had formerly been offered them by Boston and Watertown, and so the fear of their removal to Connecticut was removed. At this court, Mr. Goodwin, a very reverend and godly man, being the elder of the congregation of Newtown, having, in the heat of argument, used some unreverend speech to one of the assistants, and being reproved for the same in the open court, did gravely and humbly acknowledge his fault, etc. Eighteenth, at this court were many laws made against tobacco, in immodest fashions, and costly apparel, etc., as appears by the records, and six hundred pounds, footnote, the appointment, says Savage, is worth transcribing from the records, volume one, page one twenty-eight, as we may be confident it represents the relative wealth of the settlements boston dorchester and newtown each eighty pounds roxbury seventy pounds watertown sixty pounds saugus and ipswich each fifty pounds salem and charlestown each forty five pounds medford twenty six pounds wasagiscus ten pounds barcove four pounds in footnote raised towards fortifications and other charges which were the more hastened because the griffin and another ship now arriving with about two hundred passengers and one hundred cattle mr lothrop and mr sims two godly ministers coming in the same ship footnote most celebrated among the passengers though not mentioned here was anne hutchinson now soon to declare herself in footnote there came over a copy of the commission granted the two archbishops and ten others of the council to regulate all plantations and power given them or any five of them, to call in all patents, to make laws, to raise tithes and portions for ministers, to remove and punish governors, and to hear and determine all causes, and inflict all punishments, even death itself, etc. Footnote. This commission may be seen in Bradford, this series, pages 415 to 419. In footnote. This being advised from our friends to be intended specially for us, and that there were ships and soldiers provisioned, given out as for the carrying the new governor, Captain Woodhouse, to Virginia, but suspected to be against us, to compel us by force, to receive a new governor, and the discipline of the Church of England, and the laws of the commissioners, occasion the magistrates and deputies to hasten our fortifications, and discover our minds each to other, which grew to this conclusion, viz. Footnote. How far the colony had abandoned the timber shown in the farewell to the Church of England of three years later. How far the colony had abandoned the timber shown in the farewell to the Church of England of three years before, Winthrop's entry makes plain, though the conclusion is not stated. 
it would have gone hard with puritanism in new england had not king and bishops now begun to feel the heat of a backfire at home in footnote at this court as before the assistants had their diet at the governor's at newtown and the first day all the deputies he had a hundred pounds allowed him for his charges and five hundred pounds more was raised towards fortifications etc thirtieth about this time one alderman of bear cove being about fifty years old lost his way between dorchester and wessaguscus and watered in the and wandered in the woods and swamps three days and two nights without taking any food and being near spent god brought him to scituate but he had torn his legs much etc other harm he had none october fifth it being found that the four lectures did spend too much time and proved overburdensome to the ministers and people the ministers with the advice of the magistrates and with consent of their congregations did agree to reduce them to two days viz mr cotton at boston one thursday or the fifth day of the week and mr hooker at newtown the next fifth day and mr warham at dorchester one fourth day of the week and mr weld at roxbury the next fourth day mr lathrop who had been pastor of a private congregation in london and for the same kept long time in prison upon refusal of the oath ex officio footnote the oath ex officio a part of the procedure of the court of high commission was used to elicit confession from clergymen suspected of tendencies towards nonconformity in footnote being at boston upon a sacrament day after the sermon etc desired leave of the congregation to be present at the administration etc but said that he durst not desire to partake in it because he was not then in order being dismissed from his former congregation and he thought it not fit to be suddenly admitted into any other for example's sake and because of the deceitfulness of man's heart he went to situate being desired to be their pastor fourteenth it was informed the governor that some of our people being aboard the bark of maryland the sailors did revile them calling them holy brethren the members etc and withal did curse and swear most horribly and use threatening speeches against us the governor wrote to some of the assistants about it and upon advice with the ministers it was agreed to call them in question and to this end because we knew not how to get them out of their bark we apprehended the merchant of the ship being on shore and committed him to the marshal till mr maverick came and undertook that the offender should be forthcoming the next day the governor not being well we examined the witnesses and found them fall short of the matter of threatening and not to agree about the reviling speeches and besides not able to design certainly the men that had so offended whereupon the bark staying only upon this the bail was discharged and a letter written to the master that in regard such disorders were committed against the ship it was his duty to inquire out the offenders and punish them and withal to desire him to bring no more such disordered persons among us mr wilson's hay being stacked up not well dried fell on fire to his great prejudice at the season fired by his own servants etc as they intended to prevent firing the weather was very fine and hot without rain near six weeks the lord say and brooke wrote to the governor and mr bellingham footnote richard bellingham afterward governor a man contentious and more democratic than many survived to a great age his life being as hubbard says a long thread of above eighty years his talents were adopted less for eloquence than advice like a vessel whose vent holds no good proportion with its capacity Halbert, general history of new england quoted by savage in footnote that howsoever they might have sent a man of war to beat down the house at kennebec for the death of hawken etc yet they thought better to take another course and therefore desired that some of ours might be joined with captain wigan their agent at pascataquack to see justice done etc twentieth six men of salem going on following in a canoe were overset near kettle island and five of them drowned november fifth at the court of assistance complaint was made by some of the country viz richard brown of watertown in the name of the rest that the incense at salem was defaced viz one part of the red cross taken out upon this an attachment was awarded against richard davenport ensign bearer to appear at the next court to answer much matter was made of this as fearing it would be taken as an act of rebellion or of like nature into facing the king's colours though the truth were it was done upon this opinion that the red cross was given to the king of england by the pope as an ensign of victory and so a superstitious thing and a relic of antichrist footnote the picturesque incident here referred to than which scarcely any other incident of early new english history is better known was a bold defiance of king and church who at this time were threatening heavily in footnote what proceeding was hereupon will appear after at next court 
in the first month for by reason of the great snows and frosts we used not to keep courts in the three winter months the rebecca came from Narangaset with five hundred bushels of corn given to mr john oldham the indians had promised him one thousand bushels but their store fell out less than they expected they gave him also an island in the Narangaset bay called chipakurset containing about one thousand acres six miles long and two miles broad this is a very fair bay being above twelve leagues square with diverse great islands in it a deep channel close to the shore being rocky mr pierce took the height there and found it forty one degrees forty one minutes being not above half a degree to the southward of us in his voyage to and fro he went over the shoals having most part five or six fathom within half a mile and less of the shore from the north part of cape cod to nantucket island which is about twenty leagues and in the shallowest place two and a half fathom the country of the west of the bay of naragnaset is all champagne for many miles but very stony and full of indians he saw there above one thousand men women and children yet the men were many abroad in hunting natucket is an island full of indians about ten leagues in length east and west there came to the deputy governor about fourteen days since a messenger from the peacod sachem to desire our friendship footnote the contact with the Pequots thus described marks of critical time these savages were of a fiercer character than the new england tribes in general a recent intrusion into connecticut from west of the hudson of a sept probably allied with the mohawks johnston connecticut page twenty eight in footnote he brought two bundles of sticks whereby he signified how many beaver and otter skins he would give us for that end and a great store of wampum piage about two bushels by his description he brought a small present with him which the deputy received and returned a moose coat of as good value and withal told him that he must send persons of greater quality and then our governor would treat with them and now there came two men who brought another present of wampum piage the deputy brought them to boston where most of the assistants were assembled by occasion of the lecture who calling to them some of the ministers grew to this treaty with them that we were willing to have friendship etc but because they had killed some englishmen viz captain Stone, etc they must first deliver up those who were guilty of his death etc they answered that the sachem who then lived was slain by the dutch and all the men who were guilty etc were dead of the pox except two and that if they were worthy of death they would move their sachem to have them delivered for they had no commission to do it but they excused the fact saying that captain stone coming to the river took two of their men and bound them and made them show him the way up the river which when they had done he with two others and two indians their hands still bound went on shore and nine of the men watched them and when they were on sleep in the night they killed them then going towards the pinnace to have taken that it suddenly blew up into the air this was related with such confidence and gravity having no means to contradict it we inclined to believe it but the governor not being present we concluded nothing but some of us went with them the next day to the governor the reason why they desired so much our friendship was because they were now in war with the naragnasets whom till this year they had kept under and likewise with the dutch who had killed their old sachem and some of their men for that the picards had killed some indians who came to trade with the dutch at connecticut and by these occasions they could not trade safely anywhere therefore they desired us to send a pinnace with cloth and we should have all their trade they offered us also their right at connecticut and to further us what they could if we would settle a plantation there when they came to the governor they agreed according to the former treaty viz to deliver us the two men who were guilty of captain stone's death when we would send for them to yield up connecticut to give us four hundred fathom of wampum piage and forty beaver and thirty otter skins and that we should presently send a pinnace with cloth to trade with them and so be at peace with them and as friends to trade with them but not to defend them etc the next morning news came that two or three hundred of the naragnasets were come to gohan viz nepanset to kill the picard ambassadors etc presently we met at roxbury and raised some few men in arms and sent to the naragnaset men to come to us when they came there were no more but two of their sachems and about twenty more who had been on hunting thereabouts and came to lodge with the indians at cohan as their manner is so we treated with them about the peacods and at our request they promised that they should go and come to and add from us in peace and they were also content to enter further treaty of peace with them and in all things showed themselves very ready to gratify us 
So the Pecods returned home, and the Naragansets departed well satisfied, only that they were told in private that if they did make peace with the Pecods, we would give them part of that wampum peage which they should give us, for the Pecods held it dishonorable to offer them anything as of themselves, yet were willing we should give it them, and indeed did offer us so much for that end. The agreement they made with us was put in writing, and the two ambassadors set to their marks, one a bow with an arrow in it, and the other a hand. Thirteenth, the regard, a ship of Barnstable, of about two hundred tons, arrived with twenty passengers and about fifty cattle. One thing I think fit to observe as a witness of God's providence for this plantation. There came in the ship one man's field, a poor godly man of Exeter, being very desirous to come to us, but not able to transport his family. There was in the city a rich merchant, one marshal, who being troubled in his dreams about the said poor man, could not be quiet till he had sent for him and given him fifty pounds and lent him a hundred pounds willing him withal that if he wanted he should send to him for more this man field grew suddenly rich and then lost his godliness and his wealth soon after eighteenth about this time an open pinnace of one mr sowall footnote the ancestor of a distinguished and widely distributed american family of which the famous chief justice in the next generation was the most interesting massachusetts member in footnote of Ipswich, going deep laden from Boston, was cast away upon the rocks at the head of Cape Ann in a northeast storm, but all the men were saved. 21st. One Willies, a godly man, and member of Boston Church, and one Doherty, an honest man, and two boys, going over to Noddle's Island to fetch wood in a small boat, and none of them having any skill or experience, were cast away in a northeast tempest as they came home in the night laden, being then ebbing water. We sent two boats on the Lord's Day, so soon as they were missing, being the twenty-third, but they could not find men or boat or wood in any part of the bay. Three days later, the boat was found at Muddy River, overturned. Twenty-seventh. The assistants met at the governor's to advise about the defacing of the cross in the incident at Salem, where, taking advice with some of the ministers, we agreed to write to Mr. Downing in England of the truth of the matter, under all our hands that, if occasion were, he might show it in our excuse, for therein we expressed our dislike of the thing, and our purpose to punish the offenders, yet with as much wariness as we might, being doubtful of the lawful use of the cross in an ensign, though we were clear that fact, as concerning the matter, was very unlawful. Footnote. Fact in the sense of action. In footnote. It was then informed us how Mr. Elliot, the teacher of the Church of Roxbury, had taken occasion in a sermon to speak of the peace made with the Picards, and to lay some blame upon the ministry for proceeding therein without consent of the people and for other failings, as he conceived. We took order that he should be dealt with by Mr. Cott, Mr. Hooker, and Mr. Weld, to be brought to see his error, and to heal it by some public explanation of his meaning, for the people began to take occasion to murmur against us for it. Footnote. Elliot probably knew well the character of the Pequots, and remonstrated as a friend of the Massachusetts Indians, with whom his relations were becoming close, and whose welfare was seriously threatened. Evidently his disposition was more democratic than that of some of his contemporaries. End footnote. It was likewise informed that Mr. Williams of Salem had broken his promise to us in teaching publicly against the king's patent, and our great sin in claiming right thereby to the country, etc., and for usual terming the churches of England anti-Christian. We granted summons to him for his appearance at the next court. Footnote. An evidence that Roger Williams meant to be just, though sometimes his judgments were strained. In footnote. The aforesaid three ministers, upon conference with the said Mr. Elliot, brought him to acknowledge his error, in that he had mistaken the ground of his doctrine, and that he did acknowledge that, for a peace only, whereby the people were not to be engaged in a war, the magistrates might conclude plebe in consulto, and so promised to express himself in public next Lord's Day. 24th. One Scott and Elliot of Ipswich were lost in their way homewards, and wandered up and down six days, and eat nothing. At length they were found by an Indian, being almost senseless for want of rest, etc. About the same time one blank was twenty-one days upon Plum Island, and found by chance frozen in the snow, yet alive, and did well. He had been missing twenty days, and himself said he had no food all that time. December 4th. Was an extraordinary tempest of wind and snow at north-northeast, which continued twenty-four hours, and after that such frost as, within two days, the whole bay was frozen over, but free again before night. 11th. The lectures at Boston and Newtown returned again to their former course, 
because the weather was many times so tedious as people could not travel, etc. This day, after the lecture, the inhabitants of Boston met to choose seven men who should divide the town lands among them. They chose by papers, footnote, by secret ballot, in footnote, and in their choice left out Mr. Winthrop, Coddington, and other of the chief men, only they chose one of the elders and a deacon, and the rest of the inferior sort, and Mr. Winthrop had the greater number before one of them by a voice of two. This they did, as fearing that the richer men would give the poorer so no great proportions of land, but would rather leave a great part at liberty for newcomers and for common, which Mr. Winthrop had oft persuaded them unto as best for the town, etc. Mr. Cotton and diverse others were offended at this choice, because they declined the magistrates, and Mr. Winthrop refused to be one upon such an election as was carried by a voice or two, telling them that though for his part he did not apprehend any personal injury, nor did doubt of their good affection towards him, yet he was so much grieved that Boston should be the first who should shake off their magistrates, especially Mr. Coddington. Footnote, Mr. Coddington, already mentioned, served as colonial treasurer and as assistant. Winthrop and Cotton here strongly disapproved the public action which left out of commission for the distribution of the lands a worthy magistrate. Coddington before long departed as an exile to Aquidneck, where he lived until nearly fourscore, the most eminent citizen of Rhode Island, a fellow spirit of Roger Williams at Providence. But he grew weary at last of his radical environment. In footnote, who had been always so forward for their enlargement, added further reason of declining this choice to blot out so bad a precedent. Whereupon, at the motion of Mr. Cotton, who showed them that it was the Lord's order among the Israelites to have all such businesses committed to the elders, and that it had been nearer the rule to have chosen some of each sort, etc., they all agreed to go to a new election, which was referred to the next election day. The reason why some were not willing that the people should have more land in the bay than they might be likely to use in some reasonable time was partly to prevent the neglect of trades and other more necessary employments, and partly that there might be a place to perceive such as should come after, seeing it would be very prejudicial to the commonwealth if men should be forced to go far off the land while others had much and could make no use of it more than to please their eye with it. One Abigail Gifford, widow, being kept at the charge of the parish of Wilson in Middlesex near London, was sent by Mr. Ball's ship into this country, and being found to be sometimes distracted, and a very burdensome woman, the governor and assistants returned her back by warrant, 18, to the same parish in the ship Rebecca. 22nd. A fast was kept by the church of Charlton, and Mr. Sims chosen their teacher. By a letter from Plymouth it was certified that the Dutch of Hudson's River had been at Connecticut, and came in warlike manner to put the Plymouth men out of their house there, but when they stood upon their defense they departed without offering any violence. End of section 5, 1634